Hey, what's up, what's up, it's your man Sam, host of Just Talk With Sam Podcast, Just Talk With Sam Podcast. Man, we got a good one for you guys this week, where we do this once a year, but I get to go home. Yes, we are covering the Motor City Comic Con 2019, the sights and sounds of this. Man, I feel good just bringing it to you guys. Um... We had a lot of great interviews, and I got a chance to nerd out on a lot of stuff because a lot of the things I I talked about is I'm interested in, and I get I met a lot of great legends. Um, speaking of which, I want to thank Mr. Alan Davis, Brandon Thomas, Carl Jones, um, Dejan Snead, Mike Grell, Philip Tan, Scott Collins, and Steve McNiven. Even though we didn't get the full boy interview with Steve McNiven, one thing he wanted to make sure that's on the record. He's born in A-squared. He knows a thing or two about Michigan, Ann Arbor, for those who don't know what A-squared is. And he is not Canadian. I repeat, not Canadian. That has been a misconception in the comic book universe for some time. But we get into it, and we just nerd out. So... If you're into comics, if you're into comic books, if you want to become a fan of something, this is the podcast for you. If you are not any of those things and want to learn, it's a great stepping stone. But before we jump into all of that, this podcast, I want to say, go to the home for everything relating to the Just Talking With Sam podcast. It's all right there. The home for that is at samshownation.com. Right there on the homepage and current promotions page, you see a donate button. You can hit that donate button and give whatever makes you feel like a good person. Everything about this podcast goes right back into the podcast to make it a bigger, better, greater podcast. We thank you guys who have contributed and those who want to. But maybe you're one of those people who want a little bang for your buck. Maybe you're one of those people who want to show your love elsewhere. Hey. We got you, and we got you covered. If you want to show your love for the podcast, you want to, you know, show it off a little bit, you can always go to SamsonNation.com, you get the store link. And by hitting that store link, you can wear the swag for all of your favorite podcasts. It's right there. Whether that be t-shirts, whether that be hats, whether that be stickers, it's all right there. Go ahead, go to SamsonNation.com, you click that link, and show it off. Show your love for the podcast. And speaking of the podcast... You can always go to SamsonNation.com. You hit that podcast link, and you can catch up on all of your favorite podcasts. Um, some that you missed, some that you want to hear again. We are also on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and the granddaddy of them all, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. And one thing that we stress that you guys do, go ahead, hit us up on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. It's all right there to say, hey, I really like this show. Five stars. Hey, I don't care too much for the host. Five stars. It's all right there. Thank you guys for just um, just doing this and just sticking with us. And we urge you guys and we're going to bring a bigger, better, greater podcast. It's all right there. Um... We got a few um, sponsors this week, and we're going to jump into all the comic book goodness of this podcast. The first sponsor is the good folks at Walmart. Walmart wants to remind you guys that Father's Day is right around the corner. So, for what they want you to do is go to samshownation.com. You click the Walmart father's day link and you can surprise dad on father's day with inspired gifts to let him know how much you love him while bringing him immense joy at the same time whether you are looking for electronics fitness gear books anything with selection of father's day gifts for your dad it's all right there go to samshownation.com click that father's day link get the walmart's everyday low prices and make it easy to buy a fantastic gift even if you are on a budget it's right there so please go to samshownation.com click the walmart link and get something for your dad you love him he loves you and it doesn't necessarily have to be your dad 
all the dads in your life, you can go ahead and you can get them something for Father's Day. So please go ahead, go to samshownation.com. Father's Day for the guy who's always there for you. Get something for your dad. Go to samshownation.com. You click that Walmart link. Next sponsor is the good folks at NBAStore.com. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but we are in the finals. The NBA finals are heating up and they hotter than baked clams. And what you can do is go to SamShowNation.com. You click that NBA Store link and get in the game. Get the stuff for the finals. You can get your Golden State merchandise. You can get your Toronto Raptors merchandise as you cheer them on. Or maybe you're not a fan of either one of those teams. You can get all the team gear for the team that you love the most. And right now, they're getting started a little bit early with their summertime collection. Yes, the NBA store.com has a summer collection. So when you're on the beach wear, or if you're getting some hoop shorts, or maybe you jump into a pickup game, whatever you need to show off your summer, it's right there. So please go to samshownation.com. You click the NBA store link and you get free on top of all of that. You get free shipping on all US orders with using the promo code NBA49 at checkout. Yes, free shipping on all U.S. orders over $49. Guys, you may want to hurry up because it's a limited time only and some exclusions may apply. So please, get in the game with NBAstore.com via SamShowNation.com. And lastly, and certainly not leastly, the granddaddy of them all, Amazon.com. We talked about Father's Day. We talked about, you know, the NBA. Who are we kidding? You're going to Amazon.com. The internet was built for a few things, and shopping is one of them. The only thing we ask you to do is go to SamShowNation.com. You click that link. The bar right on the homepage, current promotions page, to Amazon bar and get what you normally good at getting i am a prime member and my stuff come in two business days or less but one thing i have been watching and keep up with is the new show good omens season one is great for the prime people out there i'm watching um some prime and good omens is one of this i'm just not getting into it no spoilers but it's a new series about angels and demons teaming up in preparation for Armageddon. That's all I'm getting. That's all I'm giving. Man, it's a good show. I can't recommend this enough. So please go to samshownation.com. You click that Amazon banner on the homepage, the current promotions page, and get what you um just get what you get. You know you're gonna get on Amazon. Only thing we actually do is you click that link and chop as you normally would. So, that's all I got for right now. What we're going to do, we're going to jump into this action-packed Comic-Con 19 podcast. The Motor City Comic-Con with a host of interviews. And I will see you guys in about 90 seconds. This is Just Talk With Sam Podcast, y'all. Just Talk With Sam Podcast. Just put your name on it. You don't talk about it. Be about it. I don't know this till like right now. Seriously. Subscribe right with you on iTunes, y'all.
but it's obvious if y'all just listen we, we never write this out I'm here with Brandon Thomas um, at the Motor City Comic Con, the 30th. Uh, we are up early yes, doing are. this. We are up yes, early. Are. It is before 10 o'clock. I know, I know. But this is, I guess, one of the best times before everybody comes into the con. I can sit down, I can chop it up with my man Brandon Thomas because I've been a fan of your work um, pretty much since we are robbing. Oh, I actually wrote a fill-in issue of Robin like ages and ages ago. It was like Robin 167. But my man, Kari Randolph, who created uh, Excellence with me, he actually did a bunch of the initial designs for We Are Robin. So those characters are kind of like according to his look, like Duke Thomas and the original characters. So it was a, it was an honor to be able to actually work with him on something that he actually did interiors on because he only do, he does interiors, you know, very kind of occasionally. It has it's like a special, a special event. So I was... I was proud that he uh, that he thought excellence was worth him getting back into the interiors game with me. So we're uh, we're pretty excited about the book and about the uh, the initial response to it. It's been uh, pretty pretty tremendous. Uh, we sold out of our first issue in a week, so we have a second print that'll be in stores uh, June 12th, and then the second issue will be in stores on June 19th, which also just happens to be Juneteenth. So um, seems extra appropriate given some of the the content in that particular issue without spoiling anything so well let's just jump right into it because I was going to talk about your work with Voltron but let's skip Voltron for a second okay all right because I want to talk about excellence because okay. that's a dope book thank you it's a dope book how I came up with it is like part Illuminati part magicians part yeah, like like Harry like Harry Potter smash with Black Panther smash with Assassin's Creed the Legend of Zelda so there's all of these all of these influences that are coming you know from the entire team you know, movies, anime, a lot of daddy issues, a lot of daddy issues. Who <laughs> <laughs> we get? Who we get? Yes, uh, the, that father-son relationship at the core of the book is is uh, is going to be a big thing going forward. That's a, to, to me, that's kind of the uh, the really kind of emotional hook that kind of sinks in the people and and really kind of helps them feel comfortable like diving into the world because there are there's enough. We wanted to leave enough that was kind of recognizable so that you know it. It was something that you could kind of easily slide into, but make little changes and tweaks so it would feel different and unique in comparison to other projects. Also, along with excellence, I mean, I'm trying to say it without spoiling things, and I don't think I can. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to transition a little bit. Let's just jump into the Voltron world, mainly because you, you, this is your first foray in the fantasy because you're big in the science fiction, and I, I love your work on Voltron because because you didn't, you made it less kitty. It was more of an adult yeah. version, uh, and and it made complete sense. It wasn't like making them adults for the sake of making yeah, them adults. Yeah. I I, I kind of looked at it like, um, you know, when when I was uh, watching Voltron, you know, I was I don't know five six years old, so I, w I was pretty little. So I wanted to kind of mature the property a little bit, not not too much, but more kind of like I guess we would say like teen plus, you know, make it a little. A little more hard-edged, a little more kind of lived in, which was the which was the point because we wanted to set our series a couple of years after the completion of the original animated series. So it only made sense that the characters and and the kind of the content would age up slightly. So we didn't go uh, we didn't go full on adult with it. Well, there may, may have been a couple, something of, a couple of parts maybe where we, where we kind of went, but uh, you know overall it was uh, it was a really cool experience. And yeah. There was a lot of um, lot of freedom because at the time uh, there wasn't a Voltron cartoon. I think there was a movie in development, but there wasn't a lot of other material out that would dictate the course of what we were doing. So we got to really kind of take some risks and kind of push things because the property was in a space where no one was really was really pushing it, really doing anything with it. So we 
had a you know kind of like a, a kind of like a window to kind of get in there and do some interesting things with it. And it's weird too because people still talk about people still you know talk to me and even uh, in Stephen Harris who drew uh, like one of the critical arcs of the book, you know. Uh, I think issue seven through twelve, but they still like come up to us and tell us that they like remember that Voltron work. Totally. I re- I remember it finally for one thing, and I'm sure this comes up. It's uh-huh. gonna probably gonna come up all day today. Okay. Man, you made Voltron talk. Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the big. Uh, that was kind of one of the big things about my initial pitch that I was like, are they gonna go for this? Because to me, I really wanted to. I really wanted to lean into kind of like the magic side of Voltron because to me Voltron was always kind of like a fusion of science and magic. So having him have like a consciousness and having that relate back to a kind of previously untold story was kind of my attempt to put a little more magic into the science and, and make it kind of like a true a true blend because it felt very kind of science heavy to me. Even at, you know at least as a kid, you know maybe maybe my my perspective maybe there was like more magic in it than than I remember, but to me it always felt very tech heavy. So I wanted to kind of you know delve into kind of the the mystical side of, of that connection. So that was kind of the reason why we're like we should give him like a consciousness, and yeah, to explain where it came from, and so um, we we had fun with that. I, you know, it made sense. You made it make sense. It would have made a lot more sense if we would have gotten to do it a little longer. But uh, you know, it was kind of like a long term like a long term plan in place. But I, I think. It would have been really cool, but I'm still uh, proud of the work we did, and people still remember it, so that's cool. Well, Brandon, I ain't gonna eat up your whole day, man. Have a great con. I just wanted to chop it up with you Thank for a quick you. second. I appreciate it. Hey, good morning. I'm here with uh, Dedrum Sneed of Sorghum and Spear. Man, I, I'm reading it. Um, now, if you don't mind, do you mind just because I've been following your stuff because you have been working with Safe Spaces for uh, young black creatives. Uh, I know Sorghum and Spear, Massive Girl Problem, you teamed up with Michelle Nichols to do it. You know what, that's your baby. Why don't you talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's very, very you're, you're too kind, and I appreciate it. So, yeah, so Sorghum and Spear, we wanted to look at this as an opportunity to, to create something that's, I look at as inclusive entertainment. And also, we kind of use the word diaspora entertainment. So, looking at Africa from the lens of how it influences global culture. So, that's myself looking at how can I see other people's perspectives from a similar point. All that's fancy words to say I wanted to make something very cool that featured black women and had an opportunity that everybody could participate in ensuring their success. And you did it! I mean, and it's awesome and it took up, but um, it was a little bit of uh, push-pull in the beginning. I mean, humble beginnings, never front on humble beginnings. Right. So, what are some of the things that you find a little bit more gratifying now that it's taken off? Oh, well, that's good. You know, the the altitude maybe is, is always you want to be higher, right? And, and to that point, I think coming in on the ground level, you know, coming to shows and being on both sides of the table, it gives you a good perspective of of appreciating how to work with others. So, I mean, looking at it now, it's very cool that you know I'll be able to come to shows like this and people are like, hey, I actually seen your work before and I know who you are and, and things like that. Even that's always humbling and, and appreciative. But I think it means that we're that much more cautious about the next steps. Like we don't want to dilute the project or the product and, our, and I guess really our integrity to, to push things forward. But I think looking at it now, we could have been a lot further away maybe commercially. But I feel like when we put our work out and we get to talk to people, like it means so much more that we're kind of taking our time. And I think with that, it's, it's really a, a chance for us to, to show appreciation to the subject matter and to the people, which are the creatives. And again, like we said, looking at you know inclusive culture, particularly for black and African uh, perspectives. I mean, we also have Latinx and Asian influences. But again, what we always go back to is that diaspora of, of culture and of legacy that we want to we wanna always have that as uh, a fresh perspective that we're bringing to folks. Well, 
I'm glad you said that. And now that you said that, can you help me address a rumor? You the guy. The rumor is there may be a Netflix deal coming. Well, I mean, we say rumors, right? I mean, I'll be honest. We've got a couple of NDAs out. All right. But at the same time, uh, we have had some opportunities, you know, from the from the larger uh, ways of, of uh, Hollywood. You know, we've had those meetings. We'll just say it that way. We've had some meetings. Okay. Uh, That's what I said, rumor. Okay. You know. You know alleged. Right. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. Just regular, just like I can regular. confirm or deny. All right, dude. But, you know, in a, in a good way, you know, we we have some eyes on our project. I mean, we'll say it like that. I mean, but that's, yeah, it's always, you never know how those things are going to go, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's mergers, there's all kind of things, and, and in a good way, all we can do is just try to do the good work. You know, show up to these conventions, try to still spread the word of Sorghum and Spear, also be able to try to collaborate with, like, the people that you see on my right and left. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's the, the real part of it. Now, Hollywood or whatever happens, you never know. Now, let's talk about the furthest thing from Hollywood, where you started. Green County Creative. Yeah. I mean, I know that's your baby. I know that some you are. Are you still pulling talent from there? Are you still pretty active? I know you got like tons of projects, yes. but <laughs> um, but how are we are you know from the beginning? Don't don't forget your origin point. Right. Oh yeah. So Green County Creative is the humble beginning of Snow Hill, North Carolina. You know, I call that out everywhere I go. You know, I'm a, a proud, devout Southerner. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I'm in Atlanta now and and love Atlanta. I mean, okay. that's that's uh, a cultural home and 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 having now been there maybe about five years it's going to be hard to ever think about leaving it for other things if that ever comes up but um yeah that's just just a kid from snow hill you know playing dungeons and dragons and collecting comic books you know back when you know you had to get your comic books at the grocery store because there was no store within 30 50 miles you know the it's just a way of, of kind of introducing myself as a blur to the other people right you're trying to get people into your fandoms and okay check this out this is cool like i'm thinking of you know all the comics i've collected and toys and games and 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 now being able to kind of look at that maybe as a professional opportunity going forward to to be in my fandom from this point forward that's always the goal so that's where green county creative is um to the second part of your point that we obviously pull up talent from the people that we know i mean we're, we're blessed to know a lot of people that came up the same way you know, i think of someone like a chuck brown or sanford green you know i was on the other side of the table just a doe-eyed kid just seeing their work and their process and their hustle and i look at how awesome they are talking about hollywood yeah, right yeah. you know bitter roots when i'm going to legendary so you know i see what it took to get there though like on both sides of it so i always look to pull from there but just like our anthology we want to open this up you know we want to show you know what we were doing and put it where you know yourself anybody else can be a part of this. All about passing the ball back. Right. So it's not about getting through the door. You got to leave the door open. That's right. And this is my last question. Mm-hmm. I thought that was it, but now, now you open up one more question. Okay. Any D&D player. I, you brought it up. I didn't. Yeah. Where do you align? Where you where you at? Lawful neutral. Uh, lawful Man. good. Chaotic neutral. You know, well, where do you align? It, now that you say that, I'm gonna have to say true neutral. I always look at myself kind of as you yeah, do, wherever the wind blows. I, I feel like there's always there's always a positive and negative of things, and and I can see myself going full chaotic at some points, yeah. and then you gotta go full lawful at some point. I like that point of that nexus. Though one of my favorite characters, Doctor Strange, and yeah. I feel like he's true neutral. Like, it's not about, it's always about a bigger picture, not about that point in the moment. And so like, I always think in this blurred space, I want to be Doctor Strange. I want to uh, see all the uh, possibilities. I am not. I, like, I really wish. The reason, <laughs> the, reason, the reason I like it is because I could never be that. I know I'm chaotic good. Hey, well, you know. I know I'm chaotic but good. But you got rules. I will, that's it. You got a code. And that's I it. will and flatten your tires so you don't drive home drunk. There you go. But you got a code. <laughs> that's right. And I, we can all respect somebody with an honor, a code and they stick to it. So that's it, you know. And but that's the fun thing about it, you know. You can work with chaotic good. You can work with uh, you know lawful neutral. What have you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it's fun to do that, and that's the whole point of like RPGs and things. And I'll you know say it. Sorghum and Spear. I want that to go there too. That's no secret. I don't think. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, an awesome opportunity to to kind of not only play test you know how your your feelings and emotions are, but like to also be a mirror to how you truly are. So that's it's always fun to get that question like that. With well, Dedrick, man. I hope 
hope you have a great con. I didn't ate up too much of your time already, man. Bless you, man. I appreciate you and everybody listening. Thank you all so very much. Uh, we love, we appreciate y'all love and support, and we do what we can to honor you. It's an audio medium. You don't really have to. Either way, uh, <laughs> I'm here with one of my favorite artists, Scott Collins. Mainly, I fell in love with your work um, because you brought way new life to Solomon Grundy. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I guess my first question is, not only just the Solomon Grundy miniseries, um, as far as the Black as Night uh, story issue, but what about Solomon Grundy appealed to you to bring him? I, I want to say bring him back, but it's not really, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my main interest in doing a Solomon Grundy book was the fact that I love monsters so much ever since I was a kid, living Creature from the Black Lagoon, King Kong, all that other kind of stuff. The same reason that um, I was so invested and um, pushed to get uh, Gorilla Grodd back in the Flash books at the time when we did that. Um, and the people at DC had known for a while, uh, specifically even Jeff Johns knew for a long time that I wanted to do a Solomon Grundy book for a long, long time. Um, and then the opportunity just arose during that Faces of Evil uh, event that was going on. So it was just perfect timing. And then uh, then I got the you know real great honor where I got to write it and draw it, which is what I had been pushing for all during that time. But it's just the monster thing that appealed to me so much. And then you get into his specific mythos, which is so cool and everything else. So, yeah, that was tons of fun to do there. I could, I could easily do like five years of Solomon Grundy stuff and not be bored for a minute. Now, one cool thing about Solomon Grundy, um, that gave way, so, like you said, to Faces of Evil, and you start writing for the rogues, and um, like a little bit with the Black Lantern outfits for said rogues. Now, Reverse Flash, Solomon Grundy. Did you get a chance to design those yourself, and what you think they should have, or was that kind of like a collaborative thing? Uh, for the rogues, I wound up redesigning a couple, and that was, uh, Jeff Johns asked me to redesign them. He was much more knowledgeable about the rogues and the Flash stuff than I was. Um, so he would pick certain things about them uh, that we would redesign. Uh, Weather Wizard was all his idea of what to do and slim out and that kind of stuff. And then I just took his ideas and built the, the other wizard costume that lasted for quite a while. It's still mostly there. Um, the only one of his, of the rogues one that wasn't his idea was I made up the young uh, trickster, Axel. Um, I really thought it would be uh, great for trickster to be like an evil Robin, a young kid who's pulling all those tricks yeah, and pranks yeah. that was going on. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of something else that you mentioned that I might have redesigned. I'm not thinking of it now. So the rope stuff was a mixed bag of that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, Zoom was the other big thing. Um, and Zoom was, you know, my spin on, like, the reverse Flash costume. But then the biggest part of it that actually came by accident was um, I didn't even think of it before. And I I knew a lot of Flash stuff, but it wasn't in my blood like it was for Jeff. So when it came to time for us to do Zoom, and he told me we are going to do this from the beginning and all stuff. So then when, when we're working out the costume and how his uh, face was going to be slightly different than reverse flash that kind of stuff I had just on my own without thinking about it actually changed the symbol so it was flipped going in the other direction without thinking that that was I thought that was kind of the way it was supposed to be done I didn't even realize that I had flipped it that way so when Jeff got the pages whether like the that day or later that day he had to call me up we talked almost every day when we were working on flash anyway but he called me up he's like oh my god oh my god you're a genius you're a genius you did the thing I'm like what did I do what did I do <laughs> And I had flipped the symbol, which I guess counts now as my, like, addition to the Flash mythos of stuff. And it just makes sense now that, you know, I guess I did it by osmosis, whatever, that it was just the thing to do. But that's probably my biggest claim to fame, because that's now on everything now. Now every Reverse Flash, every iteration of a Zoom or Reverse Flash, they all have the flip symbol now. So now it's backwards from the Flash's one. It goes in another direction. Okay. Now, we talked about, this is kind of like my last one, but we you answered a lot of my questions in the explanation, but um, outside of Solomon Grundy, if you had to bring back a monster or work with a future character, who would you think about bringing back or who who is someone you would look forward to bringing in future projects? Uh, at DC, I'd really love to do a demon thing. Um, I did him a little bit in Solomon Grundy and then little bits here and there other than that, but I'd love to do an actual like book of his own at some point. Um, and then related to Solomon Grundy, if I was doing stuff for Marvel or something like that, Hulk was my one of my first books, so I'd always wanted to do some sort of extended run. I've got to do a little bit of Hulk stuff here and there, but not like, you know, a good 12 issues, 20 issues, something like that. I'd love to do a whole Hulk thing, too. Um, 
And other than that, then um, there was a story actually uh, that we started in the Flash stuff that I've been waiting to draw, and we just did, I don't know if I'll ever get to it, but in that first issue that Jeff wrote of uh, our Gorilla Grodd coming into it, there's one panel, and I told Jeff he used to do this all the time, that he would give out such great uh, captions or dialogue that I'd be like, oh wow, that deserves a whole separate story in of its own, and he had that in there where when Wally's explains to the reader who Gorilla Grodd is and how scary he is, he said something along the effect of, when I first met him, like when he was Kid Flash, as a kid, how much even more terrifying it was to see this monster of a Grodd, and how much, you know, then he, uh, it was amazing that, that, well, and that Barry would have taken care of him as the adult, and while Wally was just a kid then, and I'm like, oh, I would so love to do that story of little Kid Flash, who's 12, 14 years old, coming across and having the story of dealing with Grodd, and how utterly horrifying that would be. That would be super cool. Honestly, I, I after saying that, I kind of want to hear that myself. But, Scott, thank you so much for just giving a few minutes of your time. Absolutely. Thank and you. have a great con. Sure, you too. Thank you. I'm sitting here with a living legend, Mr. Alan Davis. Thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time here at the Motor City Comic Con 2019. How's the con going for you so far? Very, very busy. I've noticed. I've noticed. Um, so let's just cut to the chase. I have loved your work. Um, like most people, um, I got into your work with the X-Men craze of the early 90s, early to mid-90s. And X-Men, to me, um, the, it has a strong link to a lot of the things that you did while you, you know, at Marvel. Um, how do you feel about how it has evolved since your time? Well, that, that's more from your perspective because um, I spent quite a bit of time working in British comics three years before I came to America. Then it was um, three years at DC Comics before I got to uh, work at Marvel. So um, it might seem like that from your perspective, but from my perspective it's been um, jumping around. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because um, that kind of translated a little bit when you, your works with Captain Britain and working and collaborating with Alan Moore. Um, do you find yourself, um, I, I don't want to say bringing back Captain Britain, but just making it more mainstream again? That wasn't my decision. That was Chris Claremont. It was Chris that actually created the um, original Captain Britain. Okay. And... You mentioned DC. Um, a lot of your works that I'm very fond of is your run with Batman and the Outsiders. Um, how, I mean, I want to say, how was your take on that versus your time more at Marvel working with, um, you know, group books, you know, along the lines of X-Men and along the lines of that, working on the DC side of things? Well, when I was working on Batman and the Outsiders, I knew very little about comics. I've had no formal education, so I had a lot to learn. And I was very fortunate that I had Mike Barr as both an editor and writer, and he basically taught me the basics. So it was more like a trial by fire type of thing? A very steep learning curve, certainly, yeah. Not much fire, but, yeah, hard work. <laughs> well, you would think, you know, when you take on an iconic character such as Batman and Outsiders, I mean, there's a bit of expectation, and if you're just learning the ropes, uh, how did, I mean, you adapted pretty well, it turned out okay. I think I've been lucky in that I've been too stupid to realize when I'm up against it. <laughs> So, knowing that, when you take on iconic properties, like one of the big icons, uh, iconic properties that you took on was Fantastic Four. Having that with X-Men and having that with Batman, and you've matured in your style, I mean, that should have been a piece of cake, correct? I don't ever think anything's a piece of cake, because if you care about the work, you work hard. And you always want to, um, or at least I do, I always want to improve. I want to try and make whatever work I'm doing now better than the work I did last. That makes sense. That makes sense. But one thing that um, I kind of brought up while speaking with Mark Farmer, who's right next door, and Paul, N you have worked with him, Paul Neary, uh, Jeffrey Klein. I mean, can you tell me a little bit about your co collaborations um, with those fine gentlemen over the years? Well, in most cases, they were friends as much as um, collaborators. And um, no, it's not something I can sum up in, in easy words. It's just good times uh, in the trenches together. 
I'm curious. You've seen the business, good, bad, and different, different waves. What sparks your imagination right now when you when you illustrate, when you draw? I, I still look into the past. I'm still very nostalgic. Although um, a lot of the new comics that come out don't interest me. Really? Um, who would you like to bring back from the past and give it a new spin? Well, I don't think it's bringing someone back from the past. It's exactly what you say. Um, the old characters having a new spin. Often the new spin loses the character. Makes sense. Well, let's reframe that question. What about someone who exhibits those values from the past that you should, you know, show today to the up-and-coming people reading books? I, I really don't know. I mean, that's one of those questions that you could get into a sort of a political area. Um, I, I just work on instinct that I like to do the things that I like to do and hope that other people will enjoy it. Well, that makes sense. I've enjoyed your work, and I mean, just keep going, and thank you so much for just giving us a little bit of your time. Thank you. And we're going to Logan this up with a person I know who knows a thing or two about Logan, Mr. Mike Henderson. How are you enjoying the concert? Really well. It's been great so far. All right. I don't know if the introduction was a hint. Let's just jump right into it. Old Man Logan. I love your, I love your run on Old Man Logan, but when you see... Um, like the new, oh, I want newish the the Hugh Jackman in the movie Logan. How does that make you feel seeing something you had a hand in in the big screen? Oh, I didn't really think about it that way. Honestly, I thought it was the other way around. But um, yeah, I loved it. I, I thought I thought the movie was great. It, it, it sort of influenced my take once I had started on Dead Man Logan. Um, just to see that sort of finality in his storyline on the on the screen and kind of give my own spin on that when I got to the series. Now back to the series, the book itself. Um, Old Man Logan was something that a lot of people didn't want to see because we've seen the character die so many times but your version of him was a bit of I, I say closure to something we know that's inevitable but at the same time how was it received from your type from your you know from your side of the fence uh, from my perspective I, people seem to really enjoy the character I mean it, it wasn't it's not the same old Wolverine it's not the same old Logan everybody knows um, he's just he's got a different history and a different uh, different outlook look on everything just because he's from the wasteland you know he's not from the 616 you know so he has a different perspective on all these new characters so you kind of get to introduce him in a lot of new different ways that we haven't seen actual Wolverine do before and just to bring it home because I resonated with this book a lot because um, I've been reading comics since I was a child still reading comics but something we don't necessarily see in comics even though it's a different Logan from a different time, you don't really see a character come to grips with their mortality a lot. So was that a definite thing in there, or was that, well, you wrote. Yeah, it was a huge draw for me to to want to work on it, because I like that sense of finality that you can give to a character. I mean, so many times, like you said, these characters, they've been going on for so long, and they never actually get to have to confront their own end, basically, you know, and that was pretty appealing when they came to me with this book, I was like, yeah, I get to draw the end of this, you know, kind of beloved character, you know, I get to draw his ending story, I mean, that's, that's pretty attractive for an artist. Yeah, he's one of the few characters that you can argue, can they even die, like, himself, Deadpool, in real life, Prince, I didn't even think Prince could die. Yeah, that's a good point, uh, those characters especially, the two that I worked on the most for Marvel, Deadpool and Old Man Logan, they just seem like they could go on forever. So it was really nice to have this this kind of finality for, for Logan. Alright, well, I'm sorry I peppered you about something that everyone's going to ask you. But um, thanks so much for giving us a little bit of time. A guy who has created a lot of stuff that 
I personally like. How you doing today? How are you, sir? I'm good. How's the con treating you? Very well. Alright, let's just jump right into it. Suicide Squad. That was my first, like, take of Philip Tan, and then I kind of, like, worked retroactively, oh, okay. and then I see your work. You get what I'm saying? Well, thank you. Um, I gotta ask. We're, we're fans. We're fans of comics. How was it seeing your creations inspired on the big screen, things that you wrote and drew, and then you go see it on the big screen? Well, I can't really take credit for that. I mean, a lot of that is with the writers Rob Williams and Jim Lee, um, and I am, you know, I'm honored to be one of the guys, you know, contributing to the artworks. Um, I, as, as for it being in the screen, I, I think um, most of us are, are trying to create the comic book as best as we can and not think of it um, being being in a movie or, or whatnot. I mean, if it, if it does, then great. If not, you know, we're still just trying our best to make sure that um, you, everyone who's, you know, paying their hard-earned money and buying the comic book is going to have a, a very entertaining um, book to read. So, I, 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 I you know, aside from just being excited and, and, and obviously kind of happy that it's, it's a movie at that point, you know, I don't overthink it. <laughs> okay. Alright, well, I'm glad you got that energy. You didn't really overthink it because if you look at your career, you've worked with some major heavyweights. You kind of said it in the beginning, but a lot of the DC Titans like Greg Rucker, Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison. What is it like working with so many talented writers where they could just recommend you? Oh no, it's 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 absolutely uh, fantastic. It's um, it's uh, on top of working with your with your heroes. You know, you're you're learning and bettering your craft as as you as you um, uh, you know interpret their stories. You know, try, draw their draw draw their script into into books and 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 yeah, it's it, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing experience. Okay, um, I guess this is a question. Sorry, I want to. But how do their respective, I guess, writing styles in, affect your art as you're drawing for them? Hey, I, I don't. I don't think we see it um, immediately. I, I think you. You. You understand what change in your artwork once you work with the next guy, and not at the moment when you're working with that person. So every time I I take on a new project, you you kind of would look back and see what are the changes that you have to do um, when you take on the new project, and and you appreciate whatever's being given to you before um, because you learn from that. Makes sense. And, and that's how it affects me. That makes sense. Now, this is a rumor mill. I, there, there's a Philip Tan rumor. Maybe you can help me out with this. There's a rumor. Oh, there's a rumor. So important about me. <laughs> All right. It says majority of your work. This is a rumor, mind you. Allegedly, majority of your work is best cultivated in coffee shops. Oh, that was a long time ago. I mean, now I have a kid. I have to stay home anyway. Okay. All right. So, because I was thinking, I'm like, do you just like leave? All right, I gotta go to Starbucks. No, no, totally. I, I, I used to would just go to like whatever local coffee shop. It doesn't have to be Starbucks, you know. And uh, yeah, I just draw away. So, so you don't get, um, you know, people are quite respectful anyway. They don't really bug you about it, you know. At the, in the, even even if it's a public space. So, so yeah, I, I used to just go to a coffee shop and and find my uh, quiet and peace and and, and work away. And, and uh, are you inspired? Does that inspire you to like add little details or something yeah, like that? No, it does not. I mean, the coffee shop doesn't really, you know, aside from providing me caffeine, that that's about it. And, <laughs> you know, ca caffeine and uh, a little bit of, uh, of, uh, of of not being bugged by anyone else. Okay, all right. And lastly, certainly not leastly, no is there any future projects that you would love to pin? So, uh, anything that you would love to draw in the future? You, you know, I'm working on on my credit on books right now and they haven't announced it yet so I you know I, I think it's safer to to announce or to talk about that kind of stuff when when it's being announced but um, there's still a ton of other characters I, I, I'd love to draw that, that that haven't done so um, anyone in particular well I've done a ton of covers so pretty much drawn most of the characters I want to draw on covers but you know, I'd, I'd like to draw the Legion I'd like to draw spider-man I like you know I like to draw um, mr. freeze or something there's something 
there's a lot of characters in, in both Marvel and DC that I haven't drawn before that I would love to. So okay, hey, well, I ate up a lot of your time. No um, just I just wish you have a great con and well, uh, Mike, keep doing the great work. We've already started. I'm here with Mike Grill. I have been a fan of your work, um, not just on the page, not just drawing. The one thing I do and I totally respect you are regular at cons. Do you like you know mixing it up with the fans a lot? I do. I really do. Uh, I've been blessed in this business to have the opportunity to travel to a lot of really interesting places, including Detroit. Mm -hmm. Now, I did a little research before I came over here. Now, I had to because he could... The statute of limitations expired. <laughs> I'm allowed to come back here. Now, one of the things that I found that was very interesting, your mom was an artist. Yes. Did that give you the bug to start drawing? Oh, yes. Uh, where I grew up, we didn't have uh, television. Back then, I never saw TV until I was eight years old. We didn't get one until I was 11. But we had a stack of paper and pencils. And uh, anytime you were you were bored, uh, you either learned to entertain yourself, or mom would find some chores for you to do. And you do anything to, to keep from doing that. Uh, but yeah, she she was uh, a really big influence and encouragement to me. Now, I mean, just seeing seeing that influence, I only imagine she um, major world of comics. So did she kind of like steer you towards some comics to read as a kid? Um, well, we had uh, comic books and uh, uh, newspaper comic strips. I know Mom's favorite strip was Prince Valiant. Uh, she, yeah, she loved the way that everything was drawn. It's just realistic detail and everything like that. Uh, my dad was a big Alley-oop fan. Uh, always reminded me of Alley-oop because he was a lumberjack and he had those big gigantic arms. And, and uh, you know, that's fun memories of my childhood. Now, I personally uh, start reading a lot of your work thanks to uh, Superboy. Now, did that, I, I heard that had something to do with you working at DC, or did that, how did that come about? Um, well, I happened to uh, be in the office. Uh, I, was, I had just dropped off my second job from, um, uh, my second assignment from Joe Orlando, and the phone was ringing when I got home, and he said, look, um, Murray Boltonoff, the editor on the Legion of Superheroes, is on vacation, and he doesn't know it yet, but Dave Cockrum just walked off the book. Do you think you can handle a monthly, and would you mind if I recommended you for the job? Like, would I mind? Oh, Lord. I was new in the business, and I was being offered a major book right off the, right off the bat. I uh, couldn't argue with that at all. Man, that sounds awesome. But DC wasn't your only stop. I mean, you've been everywhere. Marvel, Image, Wildstorm, just the list goes on and on. Did you have a favorite, or how did they rank? How did they compare to each other? Um, it, it's like apples and kumquats, okay? <laughs> uh, they, they are related to each other loosely. Uh, the advantage of the independence is that you get to own your own material. Mm -hmm. There's no question about that. Um, this is why I own Sable, I own Star Slayer, Maggie the Cat, Shaman's Tears, Bar Sinister, stuff like that, and why DC owns the Warlord. Makes sense. Um, the, on the, on the, the plus side with, with DC is they have always had uh, a fixed way of doing business. It's just a matter of course. If you do a job for them, and, and I had, okay, uh, I still collect royalties on stuff that I did 46 years ago. If they do a reprint, they send me a check. You don't have to chase them for it. You don't have to fight them for it. They just automatically send it. In fact, I used, I used to joke that they will spend 49 cents on a stamp to send you a check for 38 cents. Right? And... 
it, but it's true. It, uh, you know, a couple of times a year, you get a, a, a royalty statement, and then it'll have every penny that was brought in uh, from overseas or whatever, all the reprint stuff. Uh, if it's seven cents, you get your seven cents. Not everybody's like that. That's awesome. Um, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, you're a legend. Who are we kidding here? You've been in this business over 40 years. You've seen the good, the bad, the in-between. How can you, I guess, predict some of the good things that's happening in this industry now and how they will evolve? I mean, obviously, we're at Con. We're seeing movies. We're seeing TV shows. I, in my wildest dreams, would have never saw this coming. But how do you feel the industry is as a whole right now? As a whole, as a whole, it's getting deeper. Um, the, the majors are cutting back on their publishing schedule. They're not uh, publishing as many uh, titles monthly as they used to. Uh, that's an indicator that their uh, interest is going elsewhere, which I think is a mistake. Um, the reason that comic comics have always been so strong in the marketplace is that there's always been something that would lead new readers into it. And we kind of lost that over the last few years. Um, and, and now especially with uh, everybody looking at at media as opposed to publishing, they're, they're less interested in something that's going to last. Let's face it, the movies that you're watching today that are so popular and everything else are based on comics that we wrote and drew 30 and 40 years ago. And they need to start looking down the road. They really seriously do. Um, if, if all it is is uh, not a loss leader, but a, a, a shopping cart or a toy catalog for the next uh, motion picture, um, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how well that model uh, pans out for. I think there will always be comics, um, but I think more and more guys are going to be doing like what I'm doing with Maggie the Cat, and that's go crowdfunding, go directly to the to the consumer. Makes sense. Directly, directly to the reader and give them what they're looking for, and I think they'll, they'll come to us. That's awesome. Mr. Grill, thank you so much for a little bit of your time. My pleasure. All right. Um, all right, there you have it. That was a brief, brief foray into Motor City Comic Con. But before I get out of here, I want to give a quick shout out to my girl Erin. She was also there at Comic Con and she wrote it up. It's called BlurredWithAblog.com. Please read her experience because we got a chance to meet up and chop it up. We had two, uh, we didn't get a chance to. We, we got a chance to meet up and just kind of share experiences, but we didn't do anything together. But I highly recommend reading her blog post on the Motor City Comic Con at blurredwithablog.com. Shout out. Say what's up to Aaron because, you know, we represent the podcast. And go ahead, get on her Instagram, blur with a blog, like her stuff. It's awesome. So please go ahead and do that. But everything related, I want to thank all the people we got a chance to talk with Alan Davis, Brandon Thomas Carl Jones um, Dedrin Sneed, Mike Grill Philip Tance, Scott Collins and one more time if you missed it during the intro, Steve McNiven was born in Ann Arbor Michigan, he is not Canadian, leave him alone so that's pretty much what I got for right now thank you guys for listening we had a very good kind it was fun, and we can't wait to go back, man. This is it's just so much fun. Everything related to the podcast can be found right at our homepage. That is samshownation.com. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at Just Talking With Sam. No G and Talking, Just Talking With Sam, all one word. Um, just talking with Sam, no G and talking at gmail.com. You can talk to me personally on Twitter at samshow11. 
All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for having us at the Motor City Comic Con. And we hope to come back. I hope you guys learned something. I hope you guys were very entertained. And it was pretty good. I want to thank all my guests for showing up and, you know, give us a moment of their time as we went through this, man. This, this was just so much fun. All right, guys. I'll see you guys next week.